Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Logan. How are you, Logan? Hey, Alex. Yeah, doing really well. It's been a, a good week again, I guess, and on the, uh, the the balance of things. And, well, I guess it could be a, an even better week if uh, all goes to plan. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, we were sort of sitting here this time last week saying that this seven days is sort of the decisive period in the season for City. Uh, and, you know, if results went our way, we could even be up by this point. But... Uh, Right on the cusp, I feel it's it's we're we're in that situation where I feel like without kind of getting ahead of ourselves, a lot would have to go. You know, you don't want to curse the fates and and jinx things, but a lot would have to go wrong from here for us to to not be promoted back to the championship. Without a doubt, I think that we've got to be realistic here. We're eleven points, uh, you know, clear of of safety as far as that promotion spot goes. Um, without really thinking about the league title and. I guess if you if you want to think empathetically, if we were that third position chasing second and and there was such a gap to to make up, um, then you know it's all but it's all but done and dusted. And I know we've seen some strange things in our time, but uh, I, I would be hazard to guess that I, if we were to not uh, go up automatically from here, it would be uh, a, a major miracle, not even a minor one. Yeah, and look, and I think that's it as well. Is um, I mean, sort of skipping ahead here, talking about the other game, other sides first. But um, you know, you're looking at Sunderland and Lincoln in in pursuit of us and Peterborough, and Peterborough being the four points behind us would surely be the side that they're targeting. Um, well, we will talk about like we'll, we'll talk about the two games now. Um, um, starting with that Fleetwood game, um, because you know, I was I think it was interesting with both of the games um over the over the last week that we came from behind to get results in them, um, both against Fleetwood and Sunderland. Um, that Fleetwood game was I guess the first signs that we've seen of um sort of not not doubts, but nerves perhaps creeping into the squad and and you know, falling behind from that goal, potentially a second goal for Fleetwood that was ruled offside. Um, you know, we we of course had our own offside controversies. I'm I'm I, I'm pretty certain that that Keen Lewis Potter goal should have stood. I kind of I understand the reasoning why it didn't because they're saying Magenis has played at the ball, but um, we sort of leveled that up with the Magenis goal that was maybe partially offside. But um, it was it was a shaky it was a shaky game, I guess, especially in the first half. But um, City sort of settled down and uh, came away with the three points. Yeah, nothing calms the nerves like an early goal, and I think we saw that uh, with the trip to Plymouth when uh, Keen Lewis Potter scored early. And it really just set the tone for for the way we, we were going to play, and, and then went on to dominate that that match. And I think, if, you know, if you look at the Fleetwood game, it was almost the polar opposite. We're falling behind to a goal, mm. and, and really having to to kind of uh, you know chase the game. And and you could see that it was it was very erratic, and uh, you kind of got the feeling that uh, particularly when they had that second goal go in before it was ruled out. Um, just huge concern, and as you said, there was a, a level of panic in in the camp. But obviously, they got back in at half time and, and seemed to to regather. And as soon as we got the equaliser and and went to one one, there just wasn't really a, the feeling that we were going to lose the game, even though yeah. as you mentioned, it did it did look kind of nervy. And I guess on the balance of play, if you if you look at it, I mean, if we were offered four points uh, over the next two fixtures uh, after last podcast, I think we absolutely would have taken it. Um, and so. 
you know, it's 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 been a really positive week. But but that uh, Fleetwood game in isolation, I think those three points, um, we can't you know understate just how big they are in in the scheme of of this promotion push. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think as well, the fact that Honeyman was ruled out of that Fleetwood game, Crowley came into the 11, uh, which was, you know, a more than adequate replacement. We've talked many times before about the, the qualities that Crowley brings to the side. Um, but I think there would have been a bit of nerves around Honeyman missing out, uh, perhaps being a little bit under strength going into that game. Uh, and then, of course, yeah, going down to that early goal. Um, so it was, it was a really great testament to the side that we came back and won that game. I think... Um, you know, we, we've sort of talked about it before with, you know, in seasons gone past in that 12-13 promotion push, the, the shirt that I'm wearing now, uh, mm-hmm. we did sort of limp to the finish line that season. So I think the fact that we were able to come back from that from that goal behind um, to win the game was was really encouraging for, from the players. Um, and, you know, I've got to give a special call out as well to, to the winner, which um, I'm still, I've watched it a few times now. I'm still not convinced one way or the other, whether it's KLP who gets his head on it or Wilkes who gets his boot on it. It, it looks like it's sort of that goal that will go down in folklore, sort of like the Diamande and uh, Hernandez bicycle kick where you're not quite sure who's got the final touch, but, you know, great to see the desire from both of them. Yeah, it's interesting as well to see the uh, the celebration when uh, Ken Lewis Potter kind of peeled off and, and Wilkes looked uh, majorly disappointed in the background and kind of slammed his hands on the ground before getting up. <laughs> yeah. the celebration. I think that's probably a large part of it. Even he, uh, to some extent, may have even been thinking what just happened. Um, yeah. you know, it, it happened so fast and it was a, a cracking finish by Ken Lewis Potter uh, especially considering the fact that he's probably contending with Wilkes, uh, almost like a, an extra defender. But the, as we, you know, as you've said, the fact that went in and uh, was the the crucial goal, uh, we'll we'll take it. And it was uh, just a delight to see the back of the net ripple. And you know what, Wilkes is probably just feeling the heat because Magennis um, is closing in on uh, top goal scorer for uh, at the club. Which uh, look, it, it's it's really impressive. We'll talk about Magennis more as well with the Sunderland game. But getting the getting the opener against Fleetwood. Um, it's his most prolific spell uh, in his career at any club, um, both for the individual season and his entire spell at City. Um, and he's, he's 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 just sort of, I wouldn't say he's come out of nowhere, but he's just sort of gradually become this consistent goal scorer or consistent option that, that we're beginning to rely on more and more um, without you sort of noticing it. And all of a sudden we've got, you know, scoring three goals in two games um, and he's. We, we sort of talked last week about you know the importance of those more experienced players in the side, and and he's certainly one of them. The, the comeback stories of of this season, I think, when you know, hopefully, when we're talking about promotion in the next couple of weeks, and we reflect and and do the season review, there's so much to talk about for you know the the story of McCann, the story of Honeyman, but um yeah, as you mentioned, Magennis is just one of those players who. I mean, for a long time, I wouldn't have been disappointed at all if we were to hear that, you know, he, he'd been moved on uh, by the mm. club. Like, just didn't really kind of feature as one of those players that was putting themselves into the forefront and, and really offered something up front. And the fact that not only is he prolific in the sense that he's got that goal return you mentioned, but he also just seems to be that really calm and, and cool cool head. But at the same time, he, he really seems to spark a lot of our, our plays. Like, um, you know, you see, there's uh, the vision of the the penalty that that he smacked a few weeks back, and just picking yeah. up the ball and, and racing it back to halfway. Like he really is a, a driving force in the attack. So it's great to see him scoring goals, and he he really has emerged as a player that 
uh, seems to have the respect of his teammates as, as a as a leader in the squad. So fair play to, to Magenis. It's, it's great to see, you know, him hitting the straps. And obviously Fleetwood Town is, is one game, but the, the Sunderland fixture, which we I'm sure we'll, we'll get to, uh, it really showed the the class that, that, that he does have. And, you know, f- fair play. It's, it's been a really good story. Yeah, we'll get to that now. So I'll give my 3-2-1 for this game and get yours, and then we'll talk about that Sunderland game. I, I couldn't go past Magenis for the three. I thought he was terrific yeah. in this one. A um, couple of efforts, really dangerous, really livened up the forward line as well. So so easy three for me for that one. Um, I've given the two to Ingram. I think, I think um, you know, between this and that Sunderland game, you could probably, you know, throw a hat over the two performances of, of which was, was the better performance from Ingram. But in both games, he's made quite a few important saves to keep us in the games at, at important times. Um, and, and it's sort of, you know, he, go, he, he goes a bit under the radar sometimes in terms of uh, his efforts in games. Because, yes, OK, we, we've had some games where the opposition hasn't managed to shot on target. But you, you kind of think the context, talking about comeback players, hey, you know, Ingram's another one where he coming into this season, he was second choice keeper um, and just sort of got that run at the start of the season and, and really has kind of held on to it with both hands. Um, so he was he was the two votes for me. Um, and then I've gone KLP for the one, presuming that he, he got the goal there at the end, um, getting that winner uh, and, and really should have had a, a goal earlier in the game as well. It was a really terrific finish into the top corner. Really unfortunate to have that one ruled out for offside on uh, on Magenis, but get, given KLP the one vote. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I went, I went similar. And I think that the... The rap that you've just given Ingram has kind of made me question whether I've I've got my three two ones correct. You you did remind me of how crucial he was, but I had Magenta for three and I, I put KLP for two and then um, Ingram for one. And it was largely just the the influence that that KLP seemed to have, particularly at the start of that that second half. Um, I know there was that uh, that turn that he did where he kind of let the ball roll past him and um, and you know ended up creating a, a huge chance for us, which we didn't score off, but. He just seemed to be really lively and, uh, you know, as we tried to play our way back into the contest, it almost felt like every time the ball was at his feet, something was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess that's what, what we really need to look for from from KL, uh, KLP, just that, that young live wire, lots of energy and, um, you know, question, asking lots of questions of, of the defence. So I had him penciled down for two. I think, as you said, Ingram was, was great for, for one, but... Any order between those three would um would would pretty much sum it up. But there were some some great performances. Yeah, definitely. Um, and look, talking about KLP, um, Sunderland two two draw first minute of the game. Just about Wilkes, uh, sort of running through on goal. KLP off to his left could basically play him through for a one on one 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 on one with the keeper. Um, and you sort of talked a little bit before about the importance of an early goal in games like this would have got us off to the perfect start. So a little bit frustrating that um, the KLP wasn't found in that moment. Absolutely. But I guess the irony is it was also one of the, the best games for, for Wilkes uh, as yeah. far as providing two assists. So Yes, um, yeah, that is true. I, I guess it's hard, it to, it's hard been, to call him too, too greedy when he's done that, yeah. Could have been three assists. So, I, I mean, yeah, look, Malik Wilkes is a young player as well, and I think that's that's kind of hard to forget because we've got that, you know, the starlet in KLP who is – uh, I guess our signature young player, but you do forget about the you know the youth that that is in the squad across the board, and you know Milk, uh, Wilkes has a lot to learn in in his game as he becomes a more more polished uh, striker. And as you mentioned, like we we table him as our most prolific striker, but when you look across the board and, and see the goal return that Magenis has got, and, and closely followed by KLP, um, whilst he is kind of the standout, it's um you know you can almost throw a blanket across the the three of them now, and so. 
yeah, look, as you mentioned, crucial crucial chance. Would have been great to see Malik Wilkes, you know, show some maturity and, and roll that ball off to KLP. But, you know, we, we know what happened, the, the rest of the story in the game. And um, and Wilkes, you know, obviously showed patches that, that he can pass when he needs to. And, um, yeah. you know, some of them are more impressive, you know, cross deliveries than I guess the, the more simple, uh, you know, pa- pass-offs that we would have liked to have seen. But, yeah, he's growing in, in stature and, you know, KLP, I'm sure we'll, would have had a quiet word to him at, at, at training, and I back him to get it right if uh, if, if that position uh, presents itself again. Yeah, definitely. And look, as you said, there are two great crosses from Wilkes into in, uh, into Magennis for uh, for the goals. Um, coming from behind twice to, to equalise in the in the game, I guess you know, sort of a, a controversial penalty, um, pretty soft penalty, really, in terms of uh, the potential handball on Elder. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, going in, going in at halftime, two one down, pulling it back to two two, and you know, you know, uh, I get the I get the point of view as well that we sort of held on at the end because Sunderland did have a couple of really good chances, hit the crossbar, but um, it did feel like before KLP went off that there were a few options or opportunities for him to get a, a goal as well. Um, he was starting to find a bit of space as well, so uh, it was a really interesting end to the game. I thought there was a lot of chances for both sides to come away with a winner, but. Um, I think ultimately with the position that we're in in the league, a draw in this game is is almost as good as a win, I guess, with the results going the way they did elsewhere uh, and knowing we couldn't go up even if we did win this game. It was always going to come down to that Lincoln game. Um, denying Sunderland the win, just, you know, getting one, one game closer to the end of the season with, with a point each out of this one, I think was, was almost just as important. I think I said last week that the Fleetwood game was the one that scared me more. And um, I guess as it, as it turned out, the, the fact that we were able to get those three points in that game and, and have results go away with, with Sunderland dropping more points and then being able to get the draw, I, I think that after that Fleetwood game, it really emphasised the fact that just a, a point against Sunderland would be a huge thing um, and, a, and, a, and a huge challenge for them. I think that the mountain that's been created uh, for them to climb, the fact that we didn't allow them three points on us um, in that game and, and being able to claw our way back in twice... Uh, it's all but secured. It, it, it really is a, it's a huge one point, the fact that it stopped them, you know, getting getting all three. And I think that they'll be bitterly disappointed um, more so because I think they will feel that uh, mm. dropping dropping the points at, at uh, the KCOM is is almost the, the final nail in the coffin for them as far as automatic goes. Yeah, and I think especially having taken the lead twice, it would have really stung them to, uh, to not be able to hold on either time. But... You know, I saw the I saw the stat courtesy of Rick on Twitter, who, who's sort of provided a few of the stats we've used here over the over the last few weeks. But it's really fascinating when you consider the fact that since two thousand and seven, we've got one win against Sunderland, which was this season uh, on penalties. If you if you discount the games under Steve Bruce, so Steve Bruce managed four wins and a draw. We don't don't quite know what the secret was. I mean, he he clearly loved a game against uh, against against Sunderland, but when you take those games out of the equation. Uh, to have only that one win coming this season on uh, penalties in the EFL trophy is a remarkable stat against a side that, you know, we, we've sort of talked a few times about. Um, it almost feels like we always play them in, or them in Burnley, I guess, in those relegation games, and we always seem to come away losing the game. So don't know what it is about Sunderland, but um, it's uh, it, it always seems to be a pretty tricky fixture for us. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely a bogey team that, um, you know, that has, has created some incredibly painful memories for us over the years. But yeah. I don't know what it was. I just uh, this, this particular fixture wasn't a game that I was incredibly nervous about. And I think it's probably got to do with the fact that we did have that safety net and also the fact they'd been in incredibly poor form. But I guess 
true to form knowing that they're playing City, then they were able to lift and and almost had the wood over us. But, um, you know, to, as we said, to fight back and get that point, uh, you know, it, it, it was just massive. Um, yeah, so just before we move on to the um, performances or results from the sides around us, I'll grab your three, two, one votes for this one first and then I'll give mine. Yeah, I think the the clear cut one here is for Janice with the with the two goals. He seemed incredibly influential. Um, I had Wilkes for for two. I think based on the the fact that he provided the two assists. Um, and then again, you, you touched on it earlier with Ingram. I think Ingram probably sneaks a point here as well. He was he was critical in in keeping the result uh, the way it was. But yeah, that, I guess um, yeah, that's that, that would be my three two one. I think you could probably make a case for um for for Regan Slater as well. But um, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So look, uh, yeah, it's a fair shout on Wilkes. I, I've gone Magenis for the three as well, just like you. Um, I've actually given Slater the two. I thought he was really, really solid in midfield again. Um, that first goal, I think it was the the, the cross field ball to, to Wilkes to set up the um, the chance for for Magenis's first. I thought it was fantastic. Um, and, and you know, I, I guess I'm just I'm a bit slanted to giving him a bit more recognition just because he he's one that. Um, sort of one city fans over so dramatically in the last few weeks that uh it's a really terrific display to see from him to to kind of be keeping these consistent performances going so so i gave slater the two votes there and uh and then yeah ingram for the one vote i think especially in that last what five minutes of the game when he made that really ter- terrific save at the near post um was fantastic so so yeah got the one vote for me uh for that one um so yeah, so I, I guess a few a few pretty crucial results um, going our way over the weekend and midweek with um, Blackpool beating Sunderland on the weekend and then losing to Rochdale, which was just about the perfect um, combination of results for us. It sort of kept Sunderland a bit further back, but then um, Blackpool lost to a side that that obviously can't do us any damage in Rochdale. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Paul McShane doing his bit again. Um, and then uh, Posh beat Northampton in the early game on Saturday morning, uh, but then lost to Gillingham uh, Wednesday morning, I think. So uh, another great result there as well, because, um, you know, I guess inevitably um, once promotion is secured, we will start to sort of turn attention to the potential of winning the title uh, and those Peterborough results start to become more critical. But um, I guess it leaves the state of play in a position where a win against Lincoln confirms promotion. I think um, as long as if we draw the game with Lincoln, as long as Sunderland also drop points, that's enough. But then obviously a loss to a loss to Lincoln. And I guess we can throw in here the discussion about that game with Lincoln. Um, um, obviously, a loss to Lincoln is, is the only result that really counts against us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think Lincoln do seem to have turned a, a little bit of a corner after the, a drastic form slump. But just looking at those fixtures for for the other teams run run in, I think Charlton seemed to be a, an incredibly uh, a dangerous fixture for, for Lincoln in in what would be required for them. We also know that Blackpool and Sunderland have to play each other. So just with with those considerations in mind, it just looks like um, you know whilst it's a, an eleven point uh, gap at the moment between us and us and safety. Looking at the tricky fixtures for those teams in in third and fourth, I think almost by by means of, of fixtures of, of who plays who, um, that eleven point buffer itself seems to me to be um, you know a bridge too far unless um, you know one of those teams is able to win every remaining game, which you know looks incredibly unlikely and would take some kind of momentum shift. I mean, 
you could argue that Lincoln uh, are probably the best the best suited to be able to do that, given the fact that they're the informed team. But you ask, you know, Blackpool are also a, a team that's informed. Peterborough are informed, and the fact that they all seem to run into each other um, is is just an incredible bonus for us at, at this this stage of the season. Yeah, absolutely. That that game on the second of May, Peterborough against Lincoln. Um, if you know, if 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 by some circumstance we haven't secured automatic promotion by then, I think that's a really critical game, which is when we're playing. If I can find it, uh, Wigan. Um, it's a pretty big game. Um, I think I mean, obviously Wigan's in a bit of good form, but that that weekend is sort of our, our our fallback option, I guess, because you would expect obviously Peterborough and Lincoln taking points off each other in that one. Um, uh, it, it really does help us. Um, with with the fact, as you say, I mean Blackpool playing Sunderland again um, as well. So there's a few really key fixtures um, in, in the run in that will certainly uh, help results go our way. Yeah, um, and I, actually, oh, sorry, yeah. Oh, and I, well, I guess the second equation that then it becomes for us is, well, do we start looking at the title race and and what that could actually mean? Given Peterborough's run home sees them play Charlton, they play Doncaster twice. Who, uh, you know, I, I don't think they would fully rule themselves out of. Of, of that playoff push, but it's certainly in the conversation. And then as well, they they find themselves facing Lincoln on the 2nd of May, as you said. So, I mean, the four yeah, point gap, in great form. Yeah. The four point gap over, um, over Peterborough at, at the moment, it, that may only require one more win and we could potentially go up as champions. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's an incredibly interesting, uh, you know, picture and the fixtures seem to at this point in time, really favor city. Yeah, well, so just before we we preview that Lincoln game, we have um, I, I did make the announcement on Twitter and the Facebook group, but I'll also share um, a little promotion picture that we've thrown together. Now uh, we are uh, all well, we're all going to try and get into the uh, the Cheers Bar in Sydney. Anyone in Sydney who has been to a previous game, whether it was the FA Cup final or the uh, promotion, uh, the playoff final against Sheffield Wednesday a couple of years ago. Would know Cheers Bar well. They're they're a great um, great spot in the city uh, on George Street. Um, really easy to get to. Um, who are going to have the game on upstairs um, for us to watch? So hopefully we can get some city supporters there to watch that game starting at midnight uh, Saturday, Saturday evening, I guess, or Sunday morning, the way you want to look at it. Um, mm-hmm. I know Liverpool are the early game, and it's a typically Liverpool heavy bar, but. But by then they'll have sort of started to clear out. I don't think there's anything too big in the Premier League to kind of clash with it, so uh, it shouldn't be too busy. Um, but I'll be there pretty early on in the evening, so it'll be great to see some city supporters getting out there. I'll um, I'll tweet this um, this image out and put it up in the Facebook group as well after this. Um, so it would be good to to try and see a few people there to uh, look. You know, it's it's not that often that we get to watch City potentially secure promotion, so it's um, it's a pretty big event if we can. Um, um, try and secure it this weekend. I mean, it, it would be a shame. I was, I was sort of noticing um, with the way that the fixtures fall, it would be a shame if we were to, for instance, um, draw with Lincoln, but Sunderland were to win. And then during the next midweek when we don't actually have a game, if Sunderland then lose the game or drop points and that sort of secures our promotion when we're not really playing and it's sort of, you know, not. it's, it's a bit anticlimactic, I think, if that was if that was to happen. And incredibly uncharacteristically uh, city-like, the fact yeah. that we're you know, looking with, with with three fixtures to go, thinking, oh, we could become champions early, or we could secure promotion early, uh, just it doesn't seem uh, doesn't seem right. So, look, I, I think we've we've been supporting City long enough to know that there's probably another twist or two in the tail, but uh, certainly an intriguing prospect that you know either uh, the return to the championship via automatic spot or. Uh, 
or, or uh, title winners, it would it would be incredibly great either way. Um, if we would have to go through the playoff route at this stage, I think there would be uh, some some incredibly uh, disappointing podcasts ahead, and I think that the the angst would would creep in and be a, a huge cause for concern. So. Let's let's hope that it doesn't come to that. I think we should be fine, but yeah, it's going to be exciting three games to watch, regardless. Yeah, and look, I think it's um, it's an interesting one. We were sort of talking last week on how important this week is and how it could swing one of two ways. And when we were down one nil at halftime to Fleetwood, I did have that real sense of if we do go on to lose this game and then lose to Sunderland, if we're sort of having a dip in form all of a sudden that promotion picture looks entirely different. And it is a case of sliding down the table potentially into the playoffs. And we sort of know historically how sides that are out of form and fall into the playoffs tend to perform, which is that they struggle to even get through the semifinals. So um, that turnaround against Fleetwood, that that draw against Sunderland were absolutely vital and, and now set us up in a really great position against Lincoln, who themselves have won the last three in a row. So, so they're, they're really... They're not slouches at this stage of the season. They, they had a really bad dip in form um, over the last couple of months, but they seem to have got things together now. So they're going to be quite a tough opponent. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, you you take three points there, then it's it's all but over. And I think that that's mm. kind of the mentality that it seems with, with the City group. And you hear me can, you know, uh, say with the, the cliches week in, week out, that we're just worried about the next performance. And I know that that's, you know, arguably the most stated comment in football, but it really does seem to be that, that they are sticking to that mantra in the camp and, and every single fixture does seem to be, you know, a game that they are focused on and, and are playing one game at a time. So they'll be ready for the Lincoln fixture and it will be a great test for, as you said, to play one of our, you know, top six opponents in in, in what could be a, an incredibly crucial uh, clash as far as the title goes. So Honeyman did come back into the side against Sunderland. Um, I don't think there was really any uh, injury issues or anything like that coming out of that Sunderland game. It's probably an easy question to answer, but presumably we'd just go in with an unchanged 11. Yeah, I, I can't see any reason why why they would, um, you know, tinker with it at, at this point. Uh, I think McCann seems to t- seem to know what's working and, and is very settled on his squad. I, I I can't anticipate any changes. If if there was, I think it would only be to to kind of look at the Wigan fixture as a potential must mm. win. But I I just don't know why that would happen, given the fact that we're we're away to a top six opponent that if we win that game it's uh, it's either the title secured or our automatic spot is secured so i uh, i think it's we'll be throwing the the kitchen sink at, at lincoln so to speak and i wouldn't anticipate any any tinkering we did see i think smallwood came back um for two cameo appearances in the games against fleetwood and, and against sunderland which is great to see i mean look you know having essentially a fully fit squad at this stage of the season is fantastic mm-hmm. um it gives us a lot of options off the bench. And I think we sort of talked early in the season when those rules were changed around the number of substitutes that it really does play into our hands. When you look at, I think it was against Sunderland when we did a triple substitution where I think it was White, Smallwood and uh, somebody else, I think all came on at the same time. And um, it's just, you know, amazing when you've got that sort of squad at your your disposal at this level, um, it really does, does help things. And, um, you know, I, I, and maybe it's a discussion for next week if, if automatic promotion is secured. But I really do think this is a, a fantastic opportunity to push on for the title. And, you know, it's 55, 60 years since our last title. I do think it means something. It, it, even being League One, I think I think it would be a huge achievement. 
certainly to the players and, and without a doubt Grant McCann. I think what better way than to kind of reascertain your your feelings with the fans mm. if he said, you know, judge me on next season and, and then comes and delivers a title in League One. I, you know, that's as, as far as that goes, that's a 100% grade and and he can't really do anything else. I think there's a lot of players in this squad as well who would never experience winning a title as well. So they, uh, there's so much to play for, even though, as we said, promotion almost seems all but sealed. Uh, I'd be really surprised if, if anything short of a title at this point now, uh, certainly amongst the playing group, would, would be falling short. Do you think as well, and, and I guess this, again, this is sort of looking ahead a little bit, but do you think as well, if um, if automatic promotion was to be secured this weekend, the club would start to look at contract situations for next season? I mean, we haven't seen a whole lot of movement at the moment on extensions for, for guys like Alfie Jones or uh, even like a, a Doherty or um, I think even Magenis is out of contract at the end of this year. I think we've got an option for an additional year. But guys like that, it'll be interesting to see if the club does sort of start to. I'm, traditionally over the years, we, we kind of go to the final day of the season not knowing what division we'll be in. But it'd be a bit refreshing to know a little bit in advance and, and be able to start to make those moves. It absolutely would be. I think the concern is that I guess the uh, there's been so much uh, kind of interesting rumours about clubs for sale and whether we're still going to have the same owners. There's so many variables behind the scenes that make that difficult to predict. Um, mm. What I will say, and I know Dean Windass has, uh, has been kind of vocal uh, the last week talking about how, you know, this City team has surprised him by by all expectations and how he said, with all due respect to, to this particular playing group, to, to go up into the championship and stay there, it requires a, a better squad. Or I don't, don't know if he used the, the squad. I think he meant better players to an extent so i mean the the first question would be what players in this squad are considered quality championship players that uh you know fit the realms of of the budget which again we don't know what that will be we don't know if the if the ownership will be the same which will affect that directly uh there, there's so many things to consider i think that you're probably looking at this squad and I think that you would be able to make a case for probably six or seven of them are absolute uh, championship quality. And then there'd be a school of thought and an argument to say, well, well, this is the playing group that, you know, walked league one in, in, in so many ways. Um, you know, are, are they championship quality? Well, they should be given a chance to to demonstrate that, um, particularly the likes of, of the younger players that do, um, you know, sit in the squad. So mm. uh, a lot, a lot to consider there. I really would, uh, will enjoy, and we'll, I'm sure we'll relish the chance to uh, to kind of anticipate and pick our team for next season, and you know who's there, who are the the players that we would be targeting and and look to get in. But uh, it would be nice to see some some of those uh, players if if McCann is settled and if he's the guy that's there next year, if he has got his eyes on you know particular players that are part of his championship plans. Well. Uh, absolutely. Let's get those contracts signed early and let's build a core and not have any kind of, uh, you know, situation like when we played the played Leicester with a with a tiny squad in the Premier League or a debacle like yeah. that, which I think we've learned a lot from. It would be really nice to see, but uh, there's just so many more questions that need answering before we even get to that. Um, yeah. What, what do you- yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I mean, it was interesting. I think that this previous summer was uh, the first time in a while that we've really made transfer moves quite early. When we brought in Coyle and Emmanuel Smallwood, mm-hmm. um, I think Doherty was a bit later to arrive, but there was quite a few signings done pretty early in the window, which was great to see. Um, look, I, I'd sort of said a few weeks ago that I thought that of that 
um, of that squad, I think really a capable championship striker was the main missing piece. And I mean, uh, with no disrespect to him, I think whilst Magenis has shown some really great form, I, I, and I certainly think he should be given every chance to prove himself at championship level because, of course, he did score goals for us last season. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think we'd probably still be needing to look for a, a slightly better striker at that level. Um mm-hmm. I look at guys like I look at Doherty and I look at Alfie Jones. I look at Greaves. I look at Elder, who had a reasonable season, a serviceable season last year as well, um, and Ingram, um, Coyle as well potentially as well, and, and Burke of course. So there's a lot of players there who who can definitely do a job at championship level. Now then the question just becomes: Are we trying to build a squad that can just do a job, or are we trying to build a squad or, or top up the squad with players to really go on and ch- you know try and push for promotion next season? Um, mm. So that's sort of, and, you know, knowing the owners, the, the answer is probably the former. It's probably just going to be just do what we can to survive, but they could yeah. surprise us. They surprised me this season with the signings that we made and the ambition that they showed to just get straight back out of the division. So, look, it's as you say, it's going to be really interesting. Um, uh, there's a lot of, there's water to go under the bridge first. Uh, and, you know, this is definitely more a discussion for the next couple of weeks on the podcast potentially. But, you know, y- you sort of start to turn your mind to those sorts of things and, and you can't help but sort of consider it. So... Look, I think ultimately, first thing is we, we've got to get over Lincoln um, and get the three points against them. Are you are you confident of the win, or how how are you feeling about the game? I think it's going to be a really a really difficult one. I think that the with Lincoln flying the way they are, and also kind of playing themselves back into form, and and knowing that they need to kind of secure that the, the, that playoff spot. Although I think the playoffs is all but secured for them. I, whether they've ruled themselves out of automatic promotion or not, I'm not so sure. Uh, I think that it's it would be a, a huge feat for them to be able to to get that second spot from from this point forward. Uh, I, I think it'll be tough. I, I, I'm anticipating a draw. I think it'll kind of be a, a fixture where both teams will will go at each other, and I think we'll end up cancelling each other out. Um, uh, it's it's certainly not a fixture that scares me. I think it'll be a great a, a great game to watch, um, but without uh, too much pressure on the result. I think three points, you know, three points almost secures us the title. And I think that's what the mentality that we'll be taking to Lincoln. And, and that will be, uh, you know, an exciting spectacle for us to see and as we watch, um, see how the how the players approach that game. Yeah. And I mean, interestingly, Sunderland, Sunderland at the same time will be playing Accrington Stanley, who, um, you know, they did lose to Rochdale, who seems to be beating a lot of teams at the moment. But, you know, they took they took points off Blackpool in a nil-nil draw. They beat Doncaster. They beat Oxford. Um, so so they're in reasonable form themselves. So there's every chance that a, a draw against Lincoln is enough. And, of course, the players can't be going into the game thinking that. But as fans, we've kind of got that hopefully um, a little bit of a safety buffer that Sunderland don't have the easiest of games themselves. So... Look, it's going to be a really interesting night. There'll be an eye on both games, I'm sure, just to see what's happening. Um, and, and hopefully, yeah, as you say, hopefully we can get the three points in that one. I, I, I'm, I'm probably with you. I think I think it'll be a pretty tight game. I mean, um, have, were both our previous games this season nil-nil, I think, in the yeah. Cup and in the uh, in, in, and in the league. So um, clearly two sides that match up reasonably well on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it could be won by the odd goal, maybe a 1-0 or a 2-1 potentially, but I wouldn't be shocked by a nil-nil in this one. So, um, yeah, look, it'll be it'll be a really interesting one. Um, but, yeah, lots to look forward to and then uh, hopefully a very um, celebratory podcast this time next week. So uh, thank you for joining me this week, Logan. My, my pleasure, Alex. I think that um, one, one question that we might need to uh, wrestle with and potentially do a whole podcast series on is George Honeyman Championship ready. I think yeah, that he, that's going to be he, very interesting. 
when we speculate on on players for next season, I think that you know, as as we mentioned, the the different stories and and plot lines that have happened this season, he was certainly underwhelmed in the championship last time. But I don't know. I figure that there could be a little bit more to George Honeyman's story. Absolutely, I think then there's a few players that, that definitely have a point to prove in the uh, in the championship next season for us. Wilkes probably another one who. You know, he started to get going a little bit towards the end of um, at the end of last season, but uh, he'd certainly be hungry to prove himself. You know, was let go by Leeds. Barnsley didn't want him either. Um, yeah, look, I think there's going to be a few interesting stories there as well. So that that could be a great podcast. Maybe we can do that over the summer um, and look at those sorts of players and 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 who has a point to prove. But yeah, look, um, and uh, you know, thanks everyone for listening into this episode. Um, uh, and hopefully we'll be back this time next week to talk about a fantastic win against Lincoln that secures promotion. Uh, just before we go, I did just get a comment from uh, Red Tiger saying, you know, pity, pity no fans for the final home game. And, you know, look, yeah, it, it is a bit of a shame. Um, you look at the Premier League, being able to get fans in for their final two games just because I think their season finishes a week or two later. Um, I, I, I've, I've heard things about potentially City fans travelling to Lincoln to to celebrate a potential promotion and, and look, if they can do that safely, then, I mean, emphasis on that word, but um, all power to them. I think it'd be great to have some sort of communal feel for this game. And that's why I'm looking forward to getting to cheers here in Sydney so much, because it, it is a, it is a game that, you know, being able to, to watch and celebrate with, uh, with other city supporters is the main thing because this season's felt so isolated and separated that um, um, it would be nice to get some sort of communal joy out of this game. And uh, I guess another very city-like thing that if we were to win out a, a title, trust it to be in the first title in in sixty odd years that are uh, you know just happens to be behind closed doors with no fans. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> a very very city-like indeed. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, anyway, no worries. Thank you everyone for listening in. Thank you for that comment as well. Uh, and we will be back this time next week. Come on, city. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. This is on fire. We're going higher and higher. There's no turning back because you're